What a great choice of song to start with our guest presenter, Xavier Rudd and Stormboy. And as I said, our guest is Dr. Ella Munger. She practices integrative medicine. She uh, was an anapathic uh, doctor many years ago, but she then shifted to focusing on issues of breath work, burnout, mindfulness, and much, much more. And we'll be talking about that and talking to her guests. Dr. Ella Munger, Ella, if I may call you that, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Michelle. Good morning. It's so wonderful to be talking with you again. I know. Ella, you know, we like to start with um, the choice of songs. And I must say, wow, what a great song, given the conversation that I suspect we are going to go into. And the line sticks out like a sore thumb. The line, the more you take is the less you have. Yeah. Yeah. But one can look at that on so many different levels, on a philosophical level but also on a physical level as well the more you take on the less your body has to to support itself but also the more you take with greed the less you have emotionally as a person i mean there's so many different ways of looking at that yeah it's so beautiful and multi-dimensional as you said it's um can be uh, understood both both on a metaphorical philosophical level but also just the way that we're living in our everyday lives and uh, what we carry, you know, the burdens that we carry and the perceptions and the belief systems that uh, eventually lead to the way that we live and behave and interact and relate to each other and relate to ourselves. Ella, what made you decide to move beyond um, anapathic conventional medicine? I don't think it was a, a, a decision that was made at a particular moment, Michelle. I think it was a part of my personal journey of undoing and unraveling and unburdening uh, myself, you know, and getting to a point in my personal life, in my career, where I realized that the things that I was chasing or striving for based on this formula of happiness, of success, uh, whatever that was, was not quite delivering what I thought it would. And in fact, it left me feeling disillusioned, a little empty, and just seeking more meaning. And so in my practice, just interacting with other amazing human beings, I started to see patterns emerging between what people were experiencing on a physical level, but also what they were dealing with on a mental and emotional level and what they were experiencing in their lifestyle. And I felt that the medical training, as amazing as it was, was really geared towards alleviating symptoms and not quite addressing the full story of who we are as human beings. And I realized that in order to support sustainable wellness and the process of healing, it was necessary to uncover those layers that are often sitting in the the subconscious um, that we're not always aware of, these patterns yeah. and habits that get perpetuated over time. And uh, our, very much our lifestyle, our connection with each other, our relationship to, to nature. Uh, so I started to see the, the link between all of these aspects and felt inspired to start practicing in a different way that was... Um, more holistic, that offered a deeper understanding of the full spectrum of who we are as human beings. You know what's 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 interesting about what you've said, and we'll go into to all of this this uh, conversation in a deeper way. But 
I want to take a few steps back and just go to what you said about feeling disillusioned as a doctor. And I um, was recently talking to a doctor, an excellent doctor, but she also said the same thing. And I, I th it may have been um, her age that she was coming to a certain age where she felt like, is there more? And she said, you know, I'm a general practitioner and all I know how to do and be is a general practitioner. I thought mm. she was wrong. I mean, I, I find her a, a very interesting person and there's so many different things that, mm. that she can talk about. And, but it, it did make me think how one is framed very rigorously and rigidly, and one has to be, if one's going to be a medical doctor who practices in that world. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I mean, there's a real place for the way that we're trained. However, as I'm saying, you know, I think it's, it's one-dimensional and it's focused on making a definite diagnosis. And there's yeah. a formulaic approach in, and then making a prescription. And this seems to be the end point. And it is also perpetuated by the expectation of the patient that when I work, walk out of this consultation, I must I'm be better. Have, <laughs> I must be better. I must feel better because that's what we want. We, want, we are geared towards uh, moving away from discomfort. Yeah. Well, they, you know, they, so they do call it toxic positivity. Well, they don't call it toxic positivity for nothing, is this idea that it's all got to be fine and happy and fabulous um, yeah. all the time which is not necessarily true at all. Well, you know, I, I, I think that, um, yes, that's not necessarily true, but I think it's also important to have the understanding that as human beings, this is also the way we're wired and yeah. that we perceive our stresses uh, as a, or we rather we, we um, perceive our discomfort or pain as a real stressor. And unless we are really conscious of it, we will default to a behavior that will alleviate that stress. Yeah. And a behavior that is learned very early on in life. You know, we are wired like every other living being. So we are wired to fight, flight, freeze. Yes. So, you know, they call, it an amig they call it an amygdala hijacking, actually. Yeah, yeah, the amygdala hijack is when the, the, the rational brain completely shuts off and we are just kind of driven by this instinctive protective response yeah. and I think that life drives us to, to experiencing um, everything as stresses and I really uh, unless we really kind of work through what is perceived and what is real which is a daily practice it's so easy to default to, to these patterns that don't often serve us. So Ella, we, we need to go to a break, but when we come back, I'd like to just uh, pick up on what you were saying about children. I think many people are not always sure what they should be teaching their children about physical pain, emotional pain, etc. And I'd yeah. love to hear from you what you think um, practical uh, things are that one could do when one engages with a small child, a young child in that particular world. And we'll do that right after the break. Perfect. The Jet Set Breakfast on SAFM, destination unknown. We're talking to Dr. Ella Munger. She practices integrative medicine, and she's got a very special interest in burnout and also energy management. But as we were saying earlier, there are so many ways we look at uh, illness and pain in our worlds. And so one of the questions that I was asking Ella before the break was this idea of how, we, how do we talk to children around pain uh, that may be physical, and pain that may not be physical, but may feel so painful that it, it feels physical almost. Ella. 
Yes, thank you for that question, Charlotte. I think it's so important to support children to develop a language to express and name their emotions and to understand that our emotions have a real role. You know, I often say that um, the reason that so many of us are burnt out is because we are not riding the waves of natural emotion that, uh, you know, we are so wired to, to feel and every emotion has a role. And we know that anger gives us the energy to, to act on something. Fear is protective, you know. So every emotion that we feel has a very specific purpose. Yes. And, and so when these emotions are suppressed, when they're not given the space uh, for natural expression, uh, it becomes locked in the system in some way and starts to activate the inflammatory response. So if we are able to support children to feel safe in feeling their emotions, expressing their emotions, understanding the role of them, uh, I really believe it is the first step in creating resilience and an awareness of the body-mind connection. And that's why breathing is so incredibly important. Uh, Even if we can't necessarily find the language for them, it's a felt experience. And we, we support children to to feel and express their emotion through the language of their own breath. Wow. Okay, so breathing and burnout, two big topics that you have raised. Um, As I was saying at the top of the hour, I I was reading a few things about burnout earlier this week, and what struck me was that we may be using the term uh, inappropriately, and I wondered, what is burnout? That's um, a question that I have been asking myself for many years. <laughs> you know, if we look at the, 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 the definition of burnout as it is used in our current context, you'll see that it's spoken about in terms of the workplace. Yeah. And I have a fundamental uh, issue with that. I don't think we can separate our workplace from every other aspect of our life. The way we show up at work is the way that we show up in every other part of our lives. And, uh, you know, the workplace is is often an opportunity for us to see the patterns of how we relate to stress. And uh, as much as it shows up in the workplace, uh, like I said, it is really an opportunity to reflect on what these patterns are whether they, um, it's the inability to set boundaries, it's difficulty in saying no, taking on too much, um, the fear of how we are perceived, all of these um, issues tend to show up in the workplace. But to come back to the question of what is burnout, burnout is when we are living out of alignment with our natural state and our inner fire that supports the expression of our natural energy, our life force, become suppressed or numbed or locked away so that we don't have access to it anymore. Hmm. So it's not as if this life force is not there. It's simply that we are disconnected from it. So uh, for me, I see burnout as a state of disconnection from the source of energy within us and around us and between us. So what's interesting about that is that you're then saying that actually burnout is not about saying that your flame has not has been put out. The flame is still there. You just can't Absolutely. access it. Absolutely. 
Okay. Very much so, yeah. It's interesting how a language kind of changes the way we perceive things. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Ella, your second song was, we were kind of surprised when we saw it. We were like, huh? Queen's Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody. Is absolutely. this just like you going, going back to like one big fat like rock and roll party from... Absolutely. Well... Your time has come. I hope you've got your dancing shoes on. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide. No escape from reality. It always makes me laugh when I listen to Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, it was a mashup before mashups were even a term, for sure. Those guys were like on the tip somewhere else. Ella yeah. Munger is our guest today, Dr. Ella Munger. Uh, we've just got a message from someone saying, you are an amazing person with such pertinent views. And I would uh, suggest that many people should read your book, but they should also consider what you think about breathing as well. But before we go there, Ella, Bohemian Rhapsody, mm. have you any idea what that song is about? <laughs> well, I think it's such an expression of life, and it's a magnificent, creative, cathartic expression of the full spectrum of, of human emotion yeah. with and without words. Yeah, You know, and when I listen to the song, I feel like I can visit the parts of myself that I don't often allow expression for. You know, the, the shadow aspect um, that we often can't access or we don't have language for. It just kind of gets in there. And, you know, it, it just frees something. It liberates something um, within me. And I think it does that for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and <laughs> Queen and, you know, Freddie Mercury had this gift of, of creating that um, environment for people to go there for themselves because he had the courage to go there for himself. Yeah. Ella, you know, you do have a very um, focused, uh, f a special focus and special interest on breathing and how we use breathing. Explain it to our listeners, given that, I mean, for some of us, so I, at drama school, breathing was obviously a huge thing and it was something that we covered mm. in a variety of different ways. But I mm. think for so many different people, we're not even aware whether we're breathing or not. It's like, it's just there. We all know that it's there and then... But sometimes we've, we discover we've just stopped breathing. I mean, sometimes I like go, mm. you're not breathing. Mm. You know, Michelle, when I was at medical school, at fourth year, we, know we were given our stethoscopes and it was clinical years and it was all very exciting that we were trained to listen out for all these abnormal sounds uh, to, you know, to support a diagnosis. Mm. 
Uh, I didn't realize at that point the pivotal role that our unconscious breathing patterns have on our on our health, every aspect mm. of our health. And it was only many years later when I had the opportunity to experience uh, what is known as a conscious connected breathing session, which is breathing in a specific way to access an expanded state that I was aware of the possibilities of what we are able to experience and tap into with this uh, unconscious function that we are yeah. able to consciously apply in in ways that we have even no idea, you know. Uh, and I was really uh, fascinated at how I could then bring this into my practice as a way for people to begin to understand their bodies differently, to start to listen to what their bodies were communicating to them, and to start to regulate the energy system. And uh, since I have really delved into the neuroscience of breath and seen it as such a magnificent uh, way to understand and support the body-mind connection. Um, and, um, you know, yeah. You, you talk about regulating the energy system. And what's brilliant about that is that you can regulate it in any way you like. So you could, I can go and lie down. And if I breathe slowly and I concentrate on my breathing, it will help me go to sleep. I can go and sit in front of my computer and I know that I need as much energy and focus as I possibly can. I can breathe slowly and I can concentrate on my breathing and I can have all the energy I need to go through for the next couple of hours. Yeah. It's an incredible tool that we all have access to in any given moment that we can use to support anything that we are doing in our lives, whether it is sitting in front of the computer, whether it is enhancing our um, endurance when we are exercising, whether it is to alleviate anxiety, whether it is to access expanded states of consciousness, whether it is simply to help us to fall asleep at night. Yeah. There are different ways to breathe that can support us in any situation. And all of those practices eventually build up our breath intelligence so that we are repatterning our unconscious breath, the breath that we are not aware of, so that that unconscious pattern of breath is supporting our energy. And what's happening um, in our current reality for so many reasons, you know, whether that is just chronic stress or mask wearing or sitting at our computers all day, uh, that is changing our baseline breath, which is reflective of our state of chronic stress or adrenalized energy. Yeah. And so when we bring conscious awareness to the breath, when we, uh, we uh, commit to a relationship with the breath, it is it's just a magnificent resource that we, well, it changes our relationship with ourselves, with our life and every aspect of life. Are you suggesting that um, it's around exercise which becomes muscle memory for breathing? Uh, yes, absolutely. Part of it, you know, when yeah. we exercise, it also expands our lungs and we work the diaphragm and it's all supportive of breath intelligence. So it's, so it's, it's, it's like... diaphragmatic breathing is just really important. Okay, so for our listeners, you're going to give us a quick exercise on air to go into Thank our diaphragmatic you. breathing before we get into your first guest, who sounds fascinating, Lesejo Mapeka, founder of Epic Hikes. Sounds like something yes. we all have to go to. But let's give us a 10-second, 20-second, it's up to you, breathing exercise that we can all focus on right now. Excellent. So the first thing is to just adjust your posture 
uncross your feet, place your feet on the floor, and on the next exhale, as you exhale, release the tension at the back of your neck and your shoulders. Now take your hands, the heels of your hands, and place them at the bottom edge of your ribcage on the side. And just feel that pressure of, your, of the heels on your hands at the tip of the ribcage on the side. Now, as you inhale through the nose, imagine that you are making space from the inside and you're pushing your ribcage up against your hands. Slow the breath down and slow exhale. Slow down the exhale as much as possible. As you're exhaling, imagine that you're softening and melting. And on the next inhale, feel that you're inviting breath from the inside rather than pulling breath from the nose, you're inviting breath on the inside, and slow exhale through the nose, relaxing, completely relaxing your whole body, just one more cycle like that, inhale slowly, expanding your ribcage from side to side, and as you exhale, bring your hands together towards your belly button, relax, now just notice what you're experiencing right now, bring your breath back to normal, natural rhythm. Beautiful. All the ladies in the studio are doing it. Kanya, Ndosh, Zalma, I'm doing it. Ndosh, are you smiling? Yes, she is smiling. She's smiling yes. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so simple, so quick and so effective. And so that's not, just a little glimpse. We love it. And uh, it is a little glimpse into some of the amazing work that you are doing. And for those people who want to know... Uh, 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 Ella does have a book, a Breath, Strategizing Energy in the Age of Burnout. It was previously known as the Energy Code, but it um, looks at very practical ways to prevent burnout, but also to maintain a very authentic energy, which I love. Your first guest, Ella, wow. Epic Hikes, Le Sejo Mapeca. Yes. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, how are you guys doing? Le Sejo, I want to know, were you doing the breathing exercise? I'm actually, I was about to say, I just had to take a second to just come back because <laughs> I was just doing that breathing exercise, you know, so. So, so let's, let's find out a little bit about the relationship. How do you two know each other? What's the work that you do together? Talk to us. Uh, Ila, would you like to uh, talk about how we met or yeah. what I, what I go? <laughs> well, let's see how you go for it. Tell the story. Okay. Okay, so so it was like such an interesting and an organic story um, because with one of my hikes, uh, we have like very interesting conversational hikes, right? Yeah. And in one of the conversation triggers, like I have a bag full of tricks that has conversations in it, well, conversation triggers inside. And one of the conversations I think were, what is your process of being present? Hmm. And then I was like, hmm, I actually don't have a process of being present. And a lot of people would say breathing, 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 breathing. And then I don't know how God works. And then a week crossed or a week went by. And then I just met Dr. Ila. And she came and she she came through Marge, who does Breathwork Africa. Or she works together with Ila. And everything was about breathwork and everything, and I was just like, oh, this is like God speaking to me in a weird way because now I'm now introduced to this work or this world of breathing, and that's how we met, and we went on a beautiful hike 
we spoke and we had a nice breathwork exercise. So, so and that's pretty Lisa, much the I just want to jump in. When we talk about epic hikes and the conversations you have, I'm suddenly thinking, is this something, I think I might have read more about this as well, where you, um, you, make, sure, you, you make sure that people have things, people come together and you have a topic or you talk about things. Yes. Tell us yes. about that. So, so with that, we every hike, every month, our hikes are themed, yeah. and the themes of the hike are actually very thought-provoking things that I think are very important or yes. necessary for who we are right now. Yeah. So, let me just give an example for what we had, like from January till now, we had con- uh, the themes were alignment, yeah. and then in the hike, we'd break down what alignment is, what it means to you. How do you see it? Because most people, I think the barrier of entry is just understanding and just mm-hmm. interrogating things, you know? Yeah. So we had an alignment hike. We had a process hike. And that's where the question came, do you have a process of being present? It came at a process hike. We had an enlightenment hike. So we just create a safe space where people walk in nature and now you ask these throbbing questions and we just interrogate in a safe space. And it's very interesting to find out what people's views are when it's just like a group of strangers who is going through, everyone is going through something. And when you create a safe space for people to talk in nature while walking, it's just a dream come true for me. So, so just for, for clarity, so you would have a hike and you might, for example, have a topic on energy and then one of the guests would be Dr. Elamanga, who would be yeah. there to talk about energy and breath. And I suppose, and I'm going to put this question to both of you, Ella, you, you, you're welcome to start. You talk, Lesejo, about people who don't know each other. Yes. How confident are they to open up and, because, you know, one can breathe and, and be brought to tears. Easily, you know, if you breathe, that, in, if you breathe in correctly, that is absolutely true, and that is one of the I wouldn't say a challenge, a hurdle that we face because we don't really understand the depths of what people are going through. Yeah. So when you ask questions like, also, how do you forgive yourself? And then people just it it, it triggers them to saying they haven't forgiven themselves for a certain story, and it it becomes very heavy. So the hurdles is just knowing how to hold space and yeah. make people comfortable and just tell everyone that it's a safe space and it just works. Nature is, I don't, I'm not giving myself credit. Nature has some magic power yeah, that it has. Yeah. Yeah. I'd just like to reinforce what Liseko is saying there. And Liseko, you know, you mentioned something about safe space. And I think that is a fundamental aspect of our healing journey, whether it is going on a hike or whether it is just a personal journey, what does it mean, mean to feel safe? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that nature does provide that safety. It is something that we are wired to connect with. And when we are in nature, even with strangers, there's a natural affinity, there's a natural connection. And the same with the breath. When we breathe together, there's um, an ex- experience of shared humanity. Yeah. And I think that's the gift that Lesejo brings in his processes, just combining connection with nature, connection with people, connection with breath. It is just really creating the environment in which healing can happen. And do you believe that people are open enough, even in this current time, and maybe maybe it's more so, um, 
given the way we've been locked down, are we are we open enough now to to be with people we don't know, but also and also around this idea of communicating, spending time, being part of so, communities? I believe this is what we're craving, and this is absolutely yeah. fundamental to what we need. Let's see who maybe you want to add to that. Yeah, no, I was about to echo to what you're saying, Ila. This is this is exactly what the human being needs right now. That safe space, that connecting with people, because we were all forced in isolation, right? Even though you are a person that maybe liked isolation, but you liked the choice, like you liked it being your choice. Yeah. When everything was forced on us, I think like everything, people were just misfiring and not aligning and people had to deal with themselves. So right now when you're in spaces, safe spaces where people are talking and you're actually realizing that, hey man, I'm human. Everyone went through something and everyone mm-hmm. is speaking. And here is a space with, with like-minded individuals that understand the concept of just slowness, breathing, taking in moments because you understand that moments are precious. Yeah. Time is precious. And I think this is going to rise and breath, breathing, slowness, and just walking in nature is just going to be a healing therapeutic experience. So Lesejo, where do you walk and, and how many people do you take in a group at a time? Okay. So right now our base is at Nyrock Sculpture Park in okay. Lotus Drift. Yeah. And how many people we take just to control numbers and if we take a maximum of 30 people yeah. and we can take anything from 10 to 12, but a maximum of 30 to just control the conversation. And what what's happening right now with the rise is it's mostly, I don't want to call them loners, but people come alone. So everyone is a stranger. <laughs> which wow. is pretty interesting and it brings different age groups which makes the conversations extremely interesting you'd have like a and and different races as well you'd have like an old like a mid 30 black person with an old white lady like everything is just so dynamic and I think so you should just add an so I, I just add an ER to that old say older you don't have to say old oh okay <laughs> Um, uh, but it's a beautiful um, um, journey. No, listen, I'm promoting that generational conversation, intergenerational conversation. I think it's a very, very powerful thing. And I yeah. think it's something that we should all be engaging with. Lesejo, I, I mean, people are going to be listening to you and going, hey, this sounds amazing. I'd like to get involved. How do they get involved? So it's, uh, we have a website called epichikes.co.za and all our social media platforms. We go by the name of Epic Hikes. So you normally book a hike there and you join the beautiful experience and our hikes mostly happen on a sunday doesn't help me but but church maybe maybe during the week you might yes you can book a hike during the week as well so we can we create bespoke hiking experiences for individuals and we have a beautiful experience in nature Lesejo Mapeka, the guest of Dr. Alamanga. What a wonderful story, founder of Epic Hikes. Just that idea of working together, walking together, breathing together, just contemplating conversations which may be challenging but are always awesome. Ella, you obviously do this kind of thing, maybe not on a hike, but you obviously do this kind of work 
a lot with people. Mm. Are, they, are, they, are they fearful to start with? Or do, you know, I mean, it's something unknown. Isn't it weird that our very own breath is unknown to us? Yeah. You know, by the time people arrive um, at my door, Michelle, they already are open to something. Yeah. They are seeking something new because either the world, they're inspired or they've reached a point where nothing else is working. Mm. Yeah. And they, you know, it's interesting that in the last 18 months, um, COVID has made us even more aware of this function that, and our gift that we take for granted. And yeah. so I'm seeing so many people just open to learning more about their breath and being really fascinated. You know, once people have the experience, they're far more open. And when they understand the science behind breath, then it also creates an opening and curiosity to know more, to experience more. So it sounds absolutely brilliant, I must say. Your second guest is someone who has been a patient of you, Julie Robinson, founder mm-hmm. of InVenture. Uh, Julie, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Ella. Thank you so much for having me. Julie, tell us about your um, your own experience of going to Dr. Munger. Yeah, it's been a, a definite um, adventure, actually, the, the process with Ella. Um, and InVenture was actually born out of my own healing journey from, from chronic illness and these recurring kind of bouts of illness that have uh, punctuated my life uh, from the age of 16. And throughout that time, I've, had, I've been kind of embedded in the medical paradigm. I know Ella spoke quite a bit about this earlier around the Western paradigm as well as the alternative medicine um, paradigm. But for me in my own sort of healing journey, I've come from the, I guess you could say the place of just outsourcing my health. And so as I've been unwell, I have uh, constantly come, come to practitioners, doctors, specialists, you name it, I've been to that person. And I've sat in front, of, in front of them and sort of said, fix me, just fix me, just take this away, usually with some desperation um, in my voice. And so I've outsourced my health over the years. And, um, and through that process, I've actually been stuck in the medical system and, uh, and I haven't actually experienced what it would feel like to, to heal. And... Um, hmm. and what I had got to and how that shifted for me is that actually on the 1st of, of February uh, 2019, um, I was introduced to Ela and uh, I remember arriving and had and I was desperate at the time and uh, she did took me through a breathwork session and I remember it was probably one of the most profound experiences of, of my existence. Um, I was the breath in that moment almost just awoke within me. There was this coming alive. I had this visceral feeling and experience of hope for the first time ever. It's as if the breath activated my innate um, inner sort of healing capacity and mechanism. And the tears streamed down my face. And I remember just being like, what is this about? How is this even possible to experience this? And I think over the last, you know, three years that I've been working with Ela and she's been, you know, um, working with me in, in a deep way, in a way that is a co-creation of my healing journey through the breath, through her approach, as, as uh, she was speaking about earlier. 
um, those aspects have brought me to a place where I've finally, and I don't think healing's ever over, but I've finally got to a place where uh, through that, um, I am well and I am healthy and I have an understanding of my mind and my body system. And that's really been the joy of, uh, and also hard, a hardship. I mean, there's been a lot of difficult moments in this healing process. But coming from a medical paradigm like that to the process that Ela has taken me over the last uh, three years has really been um, nothing short of going back to the innate wisdom of the body and being, having that process facilitated by someone who has the depth of understanding of how all of this works. So, Ila, when we talk to Julie's experience, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to understand at what point does something shift or is it a very slow, incremental shift that one experiences with regards to, to health and also to breath? Mm. It's an interesting question, Michelle. And, you know, when I reflect on that, uh, whether there are moments that are completely life-changing, I think, yes, there are. But the real work of change and healing happens slowly and in increments. Mm. And it's a moment-to-moment choice. So, for example, the breathwork session that Julie describes, it was an opening, it was a catalyst, it gave her a glimpse of what's possible but the real work was done by her and her commitment to the journey, which is, you know, a choice that we make every single day to be present with ourselves, yeah. to really allow ourselves to experience the discomfort and knowing that it is safe to do so and to reestablish mm-hmm. that experience of what safety means within me that, uh, of course, the breath is one of the ways that we facilitate that process. And um, yes, I mean, you know, Julie speaks about um, how adventure uh, was born from her, her process. And so often when we come into a process with an idea of what we think the outcome should be, it turns out to be something completely different, something completely different opens up, you know, and this is part of the great mystery of, um, of being human is when we start to open up something. Yeah. Uh, somehow it leads to a chain reaction of things where we just start to live more in alignment and we live more in flow. And of course the difficulties are there. Of course the challenges are there. But we have a, a place within ourselves from which to relate to them differently. I must say, I always feel like it's better to ask the question than to try and find the answer. It's at least, let me try and find the question. Julie, um, very briefly, because we're going to close off with um, Dr. Manga in a moment, but InVenture seems to do some really interesting work um, where you've chosen to look at experiences that are, are, they might be day-to-day experiences, but they just take us out of what uh, our day-to-day actually is. Talk to us about that. Yes. Yeah, so Inventor in its simplest form is, is really taking through, taking people through an immersive sensory exploration of, of themselves. And it's, it's almost going into the uncharted territories of who we are and how we are and doing that not only through language and through communication and through talking, but the invitation of, for example, the breath or creative pursuits or being in nature, as uh, we were talking about earlier, or, you know, for myself, even the process of solitude and, 
and disconnections that we can reconnect. And uh, and I think the the invitation now for for all of us is that when we are able to go into those places, there's an embodied exploration where I think healing is is found. And an adventure is to discover, to really discover these aspects of ourselves so that we can contribute to the world, we can relate to ourselves, each other, to the planet, to what's going on around us from a different place. And that's really been my experience. And that is the, the, sto- the story of life and of what we go through, I think, has meaning. And an adventure invites people into that place for, for themselves. And I think more now more than ever, um, people are curious as to what that looks like. It's not therapy. It's not coaching. It's a sensory exploration into all that we are. So gardening, painting, dancing, it could be any of those. Mm. It's just wonderful. Dr. Ilamanga, I'm going to leave the closing words for you. We do finish uh, in a minute or two. But uh, if we look at the way forward, I mean, I think we're coming out of a space earlier on in the show we were talking about, uh, I mean, we're, we're, talk- we're talking about pe- we're talking about a space where the economy is is shattered in many ways. We're talking about people who are really, really struggling with uh, mental wellness, mm. um, deep, deep anxieties, uh, coming out of COVID, but not necessarily coming out of COVID. It is something that may very well just become endemic to our world. How do we? What do you suggest we do to just make sure that we? protect ourselves and frame ourselves and by protect ourselves emotionally protect ourselves mm-hmm. you know when we think about the word protection uh, what comes to mind is uh, creating barriers and I think that the invitation for us now at this coll- collective crossroads that we find ourselves in is to find ways to open up through experiences of safety Hmm. and so safety is not necessarily armoring up or um, creating these barriers or isolating and disconnecting it's the invitation is how do we start to open how do we start to feel how do we start to find um, comfort or or rather uh, how do we start to find the expression, the energy within the emotion that we are naturally wired to feel. And so these creative expressions uh, are a fundamental part of it. But the question is, how do we start to create the environment within us and around us to support this opening invitation that we are finding ourselves in and that we are seeing as the crisis? The crisis is the invitation to move in and to find the, the expansiveness that lies within us. And we'll leave it at that. Dr. Ilamanga, our guest for today, thank you so much for joining us. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for the news. It's no longer good morning. It's now 2.30.